Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. It's 5.09 here at the station. Uh, it says rain's coming. Let me see. Uh, right now it's in the 80s, 80, 84 with that hazy. Uh, but it said uh, rain was coming, so there might be a storm or two moving through our area. I wouldn't put it, uh, I wouldn't doubt it. I'll check the, the radar here while I'm talking to you guys. This day. Now, we started off the show, you know, saying some things that were going on in our area. The uh, NYPD, the New York City Police Department, had uh, has a new police commissioner now, Edward Caban. Good guy, came up through the ranks. I know him personally. If you look at my social media, I posted a picture with me and him congratulating him. I worked with his dad. His dad was a transit detective when I was a rookie transit police officer. And uh, it's good to see someone that came up through the ranks again. There's actually very few uh, in recent times that, that came up through the ranks of the NYPD. You have uh, your Ray Kelly. You know, he's obviously one that came up through the ranks here. Uh, Bernie Carrick was a detective and, um, you know, went to uh, become the deputy commissioner or deputy warden of Rikers Island of Corrections. And then he became the commissioner of Corrections and then from there became the commissioner of uh of the NYPD, but he was a detective, a police officer in New York City as well. Uh, and before he was a police officer and a detective, he had uh, plenty of experience as far as corrections and and things that he he did before that in the military, which which gave him the expertise to become the deputy commissioner of corrections and then uh, corrections commissioner. And then, but he came up through the ranks. That that's what it means. There, they know what happens on the ground. They know how the job's done. And he's he's uh, Ed, Ed Caban, the new police commissioner in New York. You know, of course, Eric Adams is going to be Eric Adams, the mayor. And his tout is he's the first Hispanic Puerto Rican uh, police commissioner in New York City's history. Because that's what a mayor, that's what someone like an Eric Adams wants to put out there. That's his portrayal. We got to check a box here. But Ed Caban is anything but that. He is a cop's cop. He knows the job. He's a member of that community. He understands the community. He understands the police officers that work for him now. And he's just a good guy. He will do the right thing. His experience is there. He knows what he's doing. He's been the uh, the, the deputy commissioner now for uh, you know since Seawall was installed installed, and uh, he's the acting police commissioner. You know when she stepped down about a month ago, uh, he was my first choice. I, I loved to see that he was in the in the running for it. But there were a couple other people that were in the running, and again, as per Mayor Adams, they were all people of color, women. Or anything else like that, because that's his big thing. That's his diversity mantra that he stands on, and um, that's all he has. Because as far as law enforcement, he's nothing but a charlatan. Uh, Mayor Adams, he never did the job that he says he 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 was elected because of. You know his experience with fighting crime, his experience as a police officer. I could tell you point blankly, he does not have any. He never did the job. He doesn't know what he's doing as far as police work goes. And he's been a phony his entire career. And I'm someone who worked with him from the start, 30 years ago. Anyone that I ever worked with, you will never find someone who worked with Mayor Eric Adams to say a kind thing about his work ethic, how he was a police officer. And and they, they sealed his police records for a reason. He won't even put out that. I'd be surprised if he has more than two, one or two arrests for his career. I'd literally be surprised. Um, but you can't find any of that. His disciplinary record has been sealed. So, you know, anyone else, if it's me or anyone else, their disciplinary records out there, he, they did this, they got this many civilian complaints, they did that. You can go back and find some news articles 
You know, he he was just your race baiting loudmouth. That's all he was. So when he when he hires someone like an Ed Caban, who's a solid, good cop, it kind of I'm getting the text messages from you guys. Like, do I know this guy? Is you know is he is he a real you know, higher, or was he just someone that they put in a position? No, Edward Caban, Ed Caban is a cop's cop. He was a cop from the start. He came up through the ranks. He knows what he's doing. He ran precincts. He was in command level experiences. He was out on the street in patrol cars, and he's involved with his officers. He cares about them. It shows when he talks to them. You know, I was just with him a couple months ago, and he's just a down-to-earth guy, and I'm so glad to see him get this, and I know he'll do great things there. The police department, the NYPD specifically, is like its own entity out there. And, uh, you know, he he will grasp that. He will be at the things he needs to be at. He will be on the ground. He will be listening to cops. And I think he's really going to make a difference because he knows what he's doing. Uh, I, I was very skeptical of uh, Commissioner Sewell, who just left. She came from Nassau County. She was the chief of detectives out there. I, I considered her not experienced enough for that position, but she did great things. She really surprised me in the position there, and I will give her all the credit because the credit is due to her because she did do a great job, but under the restraints of a manipulative mayor that doesn't know this job, who's more about his appearance and more about his persona than he is about actually keeping New York City safe, she couldn't work under those environments, so that's why she left. Why would you leave the largest and greatest police department in the world as police commissioner? unless it was the working environment that you were put in. Think about it. There's more movies are made about the NYPD, their NYPD police officer in in, in throughout history than I think any other single entity. It's the prime position to be in. And for you to be successful at it, for you to be there and liked by your people, and to throw your hands up and say, I can't do this under these circumstances anymore. No one's asking why. You know, a lot of things, when, when people leave jobs, a good employer, a good organization, when people leave jobs, they do exit interviews. Why are they leaving? Why did you? And I understand, you know, you don't want to badmouth your former employer. And, and you should never do that. You, your, your job is not to badmouth your employer. But to be honest of why you're leaving, uh, most people don't leave jobs they leave toxic environments and that's the truth they've 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 gone through this and they know that's the case so you know i just want to stress out there again that uh, I, i'm so happy that someone like an edward Kaman is now the police commissioner in new york city and and something i else i threw up on my social media because somebody else i had the honor to meet last year spent some time with and talked to was the owner of goya robert unani um I did not know this, but he was the producer, the primary producer for the movie Sound of Freedom. If you don't know what the movie Sound of Freedom is, I, I, I ask you to Google it. It's out in theaters. It's basically talking about children trafficking, child trafficking. That's, that's an epidemic across America. It always has been. For anybody to say it's not is lying to you. It is one of the most disgusting and hard things to deal with, but it's being dealt with all over. And this movie, The Sound of Freedom, shows you a window into that, into that story, into what's going on in this world as far as child sex trafficking and everything like that. But Goya the, the, started the, a foundation that is 
pledging $2 million to help with child trafficking across America. And again, I sat down with him uh, about a year ago now at an event, and, and I spent a good hour with him. And a real, real nice gentleman. He was born here in New Jersey, you know, moved to Spain. You know, Goya is the largest Spanish-owned company in America. Uh, if you don't use their products, you're missing out because I use them. My, my wife being Puerto Rican, Goya is a staple in our house all the time to the point where when I was meeting, when I was talking to this gentleman, I FaceTimed my wife because, I, like, this was a status thing. Hey, I'm talking to the CEO and owner of Goya. You know, and my wife was laughing at me. She's like, you're really going to FaceTime me to talk to the owner of Goya, the CEO of Goya? It's like, hey, I was brought up on it. You were brought up on it. He's a great guy. I wanted you to meet him. And uh, he got a real kick out of talking to her. She said some things that really made him laugh. And uh, and it was a good time. So so the, the fact that I just found out that he was he is the prime producer of the movie Sound of Freedom. And again, I, I encourage you to Google that. I'm not going to get too de- deep in it you know, here on the radio. But if you have a chance to see it, please go see it. It's doing excellent in the movie theaters. You know, there are some stories out there of uh, some hiccups with it being shown in different theaters. A lot of major production companies didn't want anything to do with this movie. And now that it's doing better than most of the movies that are out there today in the theaters, and it's even giving Mission Impossible the new feature out there, you know, run for its money, is uh, is a reason why you should should look into this. And again, it's it's a hard watch. It's it's a life out there that you want to believe doesn't exist, but it does. You know, sex crimes and especially tra- uh, children's sex crimes coming from a law enforcement perspective. You know, I had my share of cases like that. They are literally one of the most horrific and horrible things you you can you can work. It. It literally tears you from the inside out. It takes a special kind of person to work in that field for a long term. You know, as a as a as a detective, you know, in our cases, we caught them as they came along. We worked special, uh, you know, alongside the special victims people and their special task force. You know, in our federal partners and uh, the local larger police departments, obviously, that deal specifically with this. I have had friends in the military who have special forces background who have gone to third-world nations to, to grab kids back by force and get them back on American soil. This is a very real underworld that's out there. And you hear the stories, you see about these young girls getting snatched up, getting hooked on drugs and being put into forced prostitution and all these things that are done with these children and young children sold on the market like commodities this is a true thing that's out there. It's not a lie. It's things that, that are abhorrent in, in this day's society. And it's often not the dregs of society that's doing it. It's, it's actually quite the opposite. It's, it's the most upstanding, the most wealthy that are behind when they look at things like this. So I, I encourage you to look into the movie Sound of Freedom. Go out and see it if you can. I'm sure it'll be out on your streaming services or um, you know, able to get somehow, depending on how the streaming services want to try and uh, keep this down or not. But it's it's uh, it's something that's going on in the world. It's something that you should be aware of. Sort of like I do Rob's rundown, where we're really not going to get into depth in it because uh, you know it's it's really it's really a deep dive into the worst of society and, and and I don't want to bring you guys down to that but it is out there and there are good people 
like the CEO of Goya, who's putting his money where his mouth is. Like he, he, he was the executive producer for the Sound of Freedom movie. He is putting $2 million to help child sex trafficking in, in America and other places, especially Latin America, which is very hardly hit, hard hit by this type of stuff. But uh, and if you follow me on social media, you know I posted a little bit about it. I post pictures with both me and Robert. He's the CEO of uh, of uh, Goya and uh, Ed Caban, the new police commissioner. So follow me at Rob O'Donnell on Facebook, and you'll be able to see some of the stories there, some of the links, and see pictures of me with these guys. They're uh, some of the best that our nation offers, and we should uh, uh, give them the support where the supports do. 522 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. Thank you, Rob. This traffic update is brought to you by Pentella Data Internet. It's a mess. You want to stay off 81 southbound. It's pretty much backed up to Montage Mountain Road, Davis Street, due to a car, fi- a tractor-trailer fire. I understand it's a pretty big fire right before the Wilkesbury Bear Creek exit. We are also um, seeing some slowing, was a, pretty much of a backup on 81 northbound at Waverly as you head through construction in that area toward the Endless Mountains region. 80 westbound at Bloomsburg, that is all backed up as well, and of of course, you are going to find heavy traffic now on Bernie Avenue and Music, as well as Main Street in Avoca. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist John Hickey. Uh, Monday afternoon, wildfire haze, stray storm. High 85. Tonight, partly cloudy, 68. Tuesday, still hazy, a stray storm as possible. High 86. Wednesday looks like the best day for at least the first half of the week. Uh, Sterling day, high of 84. Thursday, numerous showers and storms, high of 86. It's currently 84 degrees and hazy. Looks like some storms are going to be moving into our area about 9.30, 10 o'clock tonight. At 5.23, your official weather station, WILK. You're with the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 527 here at the station. I got a text message in and just just something to bring what we were just talking about to light. Uh, I'm not going to say where they worked or or anything like that, but they they worked in the field. Rob, as a, I'm not going to say the the profession or the organization, I can tell you with 100% certainty there are many kids being trafficked here in Luzerne County. Um. And I, I take that with a lot of credibility behind it from where they worked in the organization they worked for. So just to bring that home right here in our backyard, um, it's something to know about. It's something to keep an eye out for. Um, once you see a lot of the signs um, with it, you'll uh, you'll um, you'll know what you're looking at. And that, I'll just leave it at that for the topic there. Uh, just, I saw this story the other day and I wanted to throw it out there. There's this restaurant. It's actually a McDonald's. Uh, I'm not sure where in the country it's, it's not here, but it didn't say where the, the, the manager, the owner of this McDonald's put up signs that forbid employees from quitting. And it's sparked an angry debate about at will employees I guess that state has it as well, but there are signs. The McDonald logo, it's an octagon, looks like a stop sign. We value you, your growth, and your contributions. This is a no-quit restaurant. 
Because we feel that many situations can be resolved, it is the policy of this restaurant that the employee cannot quit until he or she talks to the restaurant manager or the area supervisor. So they, they got a lot of pushback from that. And McDonald's said they, they had no part of that. This is the individual franchise making this decision. But they hung the sign for the employees. And I, I get this day and age what they're saying. You know, before you quit, I mean, and, and again, it should have been phrased in that manner rather than this is a no-quit restaurant making you think, well, I'm sorry, it's against our policy for you to quit. You can't go back to work. Um, you know, the, the meaning behind it, and they put the sign both in English and Spanish. You know, most of the, like they, the sign said, most of the issues can be resolved. Meet with us. You know, let's discuss the issues and maybe we can resolve them to keep you and retain you as, as, a, as a good productive employee. I think that they would have met a better ex- acceptance with that. But um, they they went their way and it took off. Someone took a picture of it and put it out on TikTok. And, of course, once it's on the Internet, it's it's true and must be uh, done there. And, of course, like I said, corporate McDonald's denied, uh, you know, all connection with it. And it's a local restaurant and the owner of that that franchise having to do it. Um, it looks like this is in Montana. So the sign was put up in Montana. So it's not around here. I, I give credit. For the restaurant owner or manager, whoever decided to come up with the no-quit restaurant policy, um, sign. But I think it, if it was more well thought out and say something like, you know, please don't quit to you speak to your manager. We can work. You're a valued employee here, and we can work out whatever situation you may have. Would have been better well-received and more, more personal with the employee. Rather than this is a no quit restaurant, but you know you get a sixteen year old, seventeen year old kid in there. It's their first job, and you see a sign saying, "I'm not allowed to quit. I, I work here. That's it. I can't quit." I just find it uh, interesting that uh, the tainers. And again, everybody's looking for something to be angry with, but uh, you know you, you kind of got to give credit for them to trying to keep their employees and do what they're doing. Just the way they went about it wasn't probably the best way here. 531 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 336 here, 84 degrees hazy. It looks like we'll get some storms somewhere between 9 and 10 tonight coming through our area. Hopefully they miss you and they don't affect you or you're done in bed and a little thunderstorm maybe get you to bed a little better tonight. Well, the new owners of the landmark Scranton Electric Building downtown will keep its architecturally distinctive exterior and iconic rooftop sign intact. That's good news for the city of Scranton. Now, the building, the Scranton Electric Building in 1896 was built. Originally constructed as the headquarters for the powerful Board of the Trade and opened in uh, 1896 amid the region's railroad and anthracite boom. But uh, Dunmore-based Fidelity Bank, which purchased the eight-story Scranton Electric Building on Linden Street, right across from Courthouse Square in 2022, um, plans to make it their Fidelity corporate headquarters. Now, they've been gutting the interior and doing everything inside, but they promise to keep the outside you know, structurally intact and uh, architecturally intact to, to the way it looks now and the, the famous uh, Scranton Electric, the Electric City sign on the rooftop will continue. 
and that that's a good thing. One of the one of the things that I noticed right off the bat when I was down when we were doing the Scrantastic Spectacular was that big sign there that that Scranton electric the Electric City sign um, is was just a it's a draw to this city. It's a draw to the area. It's uh, you know it's iconic to here. Now there's a whole history of uh, the building and the sign and everything. The first sign was installed atop the building with the slogan, Watch Scranton Grow, according to a September 21st, 1937 edition of the Scranton Times. So uh, 1907, the first sign was installed up there. That's uh, about 10 years after the building was there. And in 1913, the sign slogan became Scranton, the Electric City. 1937... Crews replaced the sign after it sustained damage from the elements, keeping the same design and phrase according to the Scranton Tribune. The sign went dark for six weeks at the time, according to an 84-year-old news article. And in 2004, after being turned off for several decades, the sign was lit again on December 9th and viewed as a metaphor for the renaissance of the city and its downtown. So 2004, that's the year... That's the year I moved here, so the sign's been lit since I moved here. Um, 2014, the sign was half burned out and turned off until restoration was complete, converting from incandescent to LED bulbs. The renovated sign was turned back on during La Festa Italiana in August 30th of of 2014. And in 2021, in October, the sign was turned off for more than two weeks when former building over... Uh, could no longer afford to pay the monthly bill. Fidelity Bank pledged to pay for the sign to remain lit for 12 months. So it's a good thing Fidelity Bank has bought the building. They are going to continue the uh, tradition of the building for the Scranton area. And it's a great thing for our area. It's a good thing to see. It's a great landmark and iconic staple for our area. It's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio. Um... Yeah, we got weather. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from meteorologist John Hickey. Monday afternoon, wildfire haze, stray storm, high 85. Tonight, partly cloudy, 68. Tuesday, still hazy, stray storms, high 86. Wednesday seems to be the best day of the beginning of the week, high 84 and clear. Thursday, numerous showers and storms, high 86. It's currently 84 degrees and hazy at 540 here. It's time for traffic. <sighs> Just... <laughs> I think I need a Krispy Kreme donut. And this Pentella Data Internet show. I'm only kidding. <laughs> Although that would be good right now. Uh, the box is empty. I, looked, I, I know. I looked. <laughs> I looked. The box was empty. Uh, this Pentella Data Internet traffic update is brought to you by Krispy Kreme in Clark Summit and Scranton. It's bad out there. There is a huge backup on 81 southbound due to a tractor trailer fire right before the Wilkesbury Bear Creek exit. 
things are sitting beginning before the Montage Mountain Road Davis Street exits. It's just a sea of cars. We have heavy traffic on Main Street in Avoca due to that backup as well. And we have construction causing issues. 81 northbound around Waverly and 81 and on 80 west uh, as you go out toward Bloomsburg. Otherwise, we have no other reports of anything too bad. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. A little Jimmy makes everything better. You with the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. It's 545. If you got something to say, you want to get it out there, now's your time to call, 570-883-0098. Um, we were talking about the El Nino and the weather patterns and such like that, and, and I said that it was predicted to extend well into the winter. I pulled up the article. I wanted to just touch base a little more on that. It says there's a greater than 90% chance that El Nino, which uh, developed unusually early this year, will last through winter in early 2024. Now, this is from the National Weather Service forecasters. El Nino is expected to continue strengthening until it reaches its peak sometime in winter. That's when the climate pattern can have the biggest effects on weather around the country. El Nino has different impacts depending on where you live. The southern third to half of the United States, including California, is likely to be wetter this winter. Exactly where that dividing line falls varies from year to year. Meanwhile, the Pacific Northwest and parts of the Ohio Valley tend to be drier and warmer. Hawaii also often sees below average rain during El Nino fall winter, and spring seasons. So we kind of fall right on the border of that Ohio Valley issue. So it says, you know, with El Nino continuing, um, tends to be drier and warmer. But we're right on the border of that polar jet stream that gets pushed north for northeastern Pennsylvania specifically. So depending on where that line falls, you know, it could be very cold, but both circumstances appear to be dry, so less snow for us. Now, with that polar jet stream coming down right across the Great Lakes, could that pull a more than unusual you know, lake effect snow for us You know, up, up in the northern tiers of our area? Yeah, I could see that happening. But just looking at the weathered patterns they have here um, shows those changes. A historic... Uh, Historic strong El Nino is possible, but less likely to this point. There's about a one in five chance we see an El Nino like the extra strong winters of 1997, 1998, or 2015, 2016 forecasters say. So on one hand with them saying we have an extremely strong, historically strong El Nino, look at all the the issues we're having now. They're saying it's very similar to a, a 1997 or 2015 forecast there. Uh, Whether we're in La Nina year or El Nino year or neither is determined by the sea surface temperatures near the equator or over the Pacific Ocean. The temperature of the water and air above it can shift the position of the jet stream, which in turn impacts the type of weather observed on land. So whether it's whether we're in a La Nina year or an El Nino year, 
Neither is determined by the sea surface temperatures near the equator or over the Pacific Ocean. But it's like weather. We won't know what it's happening till it's happening. saw this story, and if you're a parent of younger children, and I even think of this you know, as a future you know, grandparent, because uh, of this, this, the, the status, the situations of our public school systems. But this, they did a story, this principal quit her job to homeschool her own kids uh, due to alarming changes that are combating teacher shortages. Now, this principal... Her name is Mandy Davis, left her job as a private school principal to homeschool her kids. Basically, she's saying that they are lowering the standards and hiring teachers that they would normally not hire. They're giving way too many more. And this isn't just this area. This is as a whole. They are giving provisional licenses. They're giving teaching certificates to people with degree majors that really have nothing to do with teaching or education or math or science or the things they should be teaching in school because what's left in the pool? You know, you have a bunch of people going to college now, and when you have an overabundance of people with useless degrees and they can't find a job doing anything else because no one else has a specialty in useful uselessness, um, you know, basket weaving in a third world country or, you know, diversity studies of like the polar regions – it's not applicable in the workplace. They're not going to get a job anywhere where they thought they were going to get a job. I, and, I, and I just don't know how that conversation happens with students and parents, with high school individuals, supposed guidance counselors, teachers, their parents. Again, parents. I keep stressing that because that's the primary person that should be involved here. Sitting down with your children and saying, okay, what do you want to do with your life? Okay, well, let's list some things. And, and I've done this with all three of my children. Let's list some things that you would be interested in doing. What degrees in college or technical school or wherever you feel like you want to go, where would that um, best put you in the position to get those positions? What fields, what professional certifications, what licensing do you need? I mean, you have people... More and more so, and I think because of cost, that's lessening a little bit now, but for a long time, college was nothing more than the 13th grade of high school. You know, you graduated high school, you didn't know what else you wanted to do, I'm going to go to college. And if you went to college and you got a gen ed degree, you know, your liberal arts, you know, basically round, well-rounded, I got a college degree, that, that says, hey, I can, I can apply myself for four years, and uh, you give me a piece of paper saying that I showed up for four years, I got decent grades. I must have did something to study, and you know, I just wasn't utterly useless in college. So here, here I am to, to do a job. I think I could do this job because, look, I proved myself in four years of college I could do that. That's really all college is when you kind of strip it down to its core. Now, if you go for something specific, obviously you have to take specialized classes in that. Well, you have more and more people graduating with just degrees that really have no application anywhere. And... Because of the teacher shortage, a lot of places are saying, okay, well, you know, we'll give you a provisional. Since you have a bachelor's degree, we'll give you a provisional license to teach, and you have to take these courses over the next five years. And, you know, if you get your master's, we'll make you more. And, you know, take an early educate, early childhood education. Take a math class. Take a chemistry class. Take this. 
but they're not teachers. They were never meant to be teachers. They never wanted to be teachers. This was just the job because there was no other resource for them with a degree that wasn't marketable. And this principle basically raises the flag on that, saying schools are becoming more and more desperate. I mean, if you look just for our areas, I mean, my school, Lakeland, you know, Abington, North Pocono, there used to be a 20 or 30 teacher waiting list for those positions, for those schools. You know, people worked as substitutes for years just to get that opening when it finally came, when a teacher finally retired or moved somewhere else, there was that opening and to apply. And of course, you put in who knows who on the school board and who gets the preferential treatment with the interview through the back door. There's always that going on. We know that. But now there's no one. They can't get substitutes. They they don't have a waiting list for teachers. Teachers are leaving their their jobs in these in these historically very good school districts to work in after two and three years to work in another school district, a better school district, a better here. They are making people assistant principals and principals, you know, younger and younger because no one wants that position. I mean, during our time there, you know, there were people who became a principal and was like, hey, this isn't for me. I don't want to do this. This is not what I signed up to do. I want to go back in the classroom and I want to teach. And I applaud them for recognizing that because you especially don't want somebody in a principal position that's not happy where they are. But but this principal, this private school principal, said that this is starting to get worse and worse. And there's no answer for this. It, it's, it's only going to get worse from her opinion. I mean, it's one of the things, uh, what's concerning as a parent is wondering who's going to come out of those roles. We're already seeing dozens of states moving toward changing certification and license requirements to try and grow this pool of teachers. I'm not sure that that's the best environment we want our children in. Behind the growing number of staff shortages, she claimed, are teacher complaints that they feel unsafe and out of control in their own classrooms. And again, this comes back to student discipline. This comes back to parenting. This comes back to you or I, because you have teachers, you have good teachers, you have teachers in our inner cities that really want to make a difference, but not for nothing, their lives are in danger. They are getting beaten, they are getting hit, they are getting smacked, they can't enforce the rules, they can't enforce normal common decency rules because somebody's complaining to the principal, the school board, and then they back off and they don't back their teacher. I mean, there's videos out there of the teacher you know, who was getting cursed at, and she's like, you know what? I, I'm done. I'm done. I'm a teacher for 30 years. I don't need this crap anymore. I'm done. And just throw in a towel and leave. Uh, and again, that's a discipline issue. We are seeing an entire generation of kids who have never been told no, who've never been punished, who've never had anything taken away from them. So when you have a teacher taking their cell phone, they're getting assaulted. When you have a teacher separating them and telling them they're acting inappropriate, they're cursing at them because more and more parents have accepted that behavior, have accepted those outbursts. Oh, it's just Johnny or Janie venting. No, no, it's it's a pure lack of discipline. And if you put that perfect storm together, if you put by distracted, distant parents that don't discipline and raise their kids properly, and you put them in a classroom of teachers who really never wanted to be teachers. It's just the only job that was available because of their, you know, unmarketable degree that they got and become teachers. Well, you, you have a problem. So uh, it's something we really have to look at. And this principal is raising the red flag on that. So that's why I wanted to bring it up here to you guys. It's uh, 556 here, almost 557. We'll be back to close out the Rob O'Donnell show. 
Well, that's it for the Rob O'Donnell Show on this Monday, July 17th. Just saw a picture of a $10 bill. It says, if we can put a serial number on every bill, why can't we put a serial number on every ballot? Makes sense if you think about it. Well, that's it for us. We'll see you again tomorrow. This is Rob O'Donnell on WILK News Radio. God bless, be safe, and we'll do it again.